0: as we literally stand in this sanctuary, this house of God, so we thank You that because of Your grace and mercy revealed in Jesus Christ, O God, our Creator and our Redeemer, we can stand in Your presence. Not dependent upon who we are, what we've done, what we've achieved, how good we are. Not dependent on anything that we can possibly bring. But resting solely and trusting solely in Jesus' name. For he alone is the cornerstone. He alone is the Savior, our sin bearer. And he alone can provide that mercy and grace and forgiveness that we alone need and in our darkest and neediest moments desire for our lives. And so, Lord Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit, be known in our midst this morning as our young people are through in the hall, this part of the service, a wee bit different than normal, but through in the hall for this part of the service and then join us later on that young and old alike, the fragrance of Jesus Christ may be known in our midst, and we come in repentance, in faith, in love, and in longing, that above everything else we might know before we leave this service, that dressed in His righteousness alone, that at the last, when the trumpet sounds, we may faultless stand before the throne and so holy spirit minister the truth of that statement the truth of your word the reality of jesus to us each and every one of us whoever we are wherever we've come from whatever reason we may be found together on in this church on this day you know each one of us you know our names you know our story you know our lives indeed such knowledge is almost frightening in some ways because you are a holy god Come in mercy. Do not deal with us as our sins deserve. But may we discover perhaps for the first time that as far as the east is from the west, so far will you remove our unrighteousness as we trust in Jesus' name. And so still our hearts and fill our lives and this place With the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King let the sea resound and everything in it the world and all who live in it let the rivers clap their hands let the mountains sing together for joy let them sing before the lord for he comes to judge the earth he will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity sing to the lord Now, this is a Presbyterian church, but that doesn't mean we need to be boring or or somewhat kind of, you know. I know we have visitors here this morning, and perhaps they maybe aren't very sure whether really God actually exists or not. And whether there's much point being joyful, really, because there's all these bills to pay and everything else. But I also know there's a large, large number of us, of faithful folks, who do know that God is real, isn't it? And the reason why we have joy, and we're going to be thinking about that just in a few minutes, because that's the theme for the week in the prayer guide, even despite the bills to pay and all the other things that go on in our life, is because of what God has said and done in Jesus Christ. Yes, feel free to sit down if you're starting to get a bit wobbly. Our eyes have seen, the eyes of faith have seen the story of God's redemption plus and the meditations of our hearts. Be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. And the people of God said, Amen. Please be seated. As you'll see from the intimation sheet we're going to be using over these next Sundays during July um, the prayer guide of the United Free Church. Many of you, in fact, all of you probably as a congregation have accessed this and we use this in our little devotionals that we do during the week. And I can see more about that perhaps next Sunday. So what we're going to do on the Sunday morning is we're going to pick up the theme of the coming week. I'm going to do something in, in a more normal Sunday. We'll have an old age time as we usually have together. Then we'll have a, a short sort of more thoughtful period and then we'll have prayers we pick up in the theme we'll do that on a Sunday morning and then during the week at the devotionals we'll continue to develop that theme and so i encourage you if you don't already use the prayer guide mind if you do as a congregation but if you don't then please do so it'll be helpful to you if you would like one we do have one or two copies left but I can get more from the denomination and we can easily make sure you have a copy of that. And as I say, this morning we're going to start doing that, just something a wee bit different. We have faithfully worked through the book of Hebrews, and we shall complete that, um, God willing, um, at the end of August and September. But for this period we'll use the prayer guide, and the theme for this week is the joy of the Lord. Hopefully you've already picked up that's the theme. And I'm going to read there's a few readings. Obviously, I'm going to read. You'll see from the order of service the readings. I'm going to read one that normally would be associated with what season of the the year and the Christian year. From Luke chapter two, Christmas. Christmas. So don't think when I start reading this that somehow you've kind of fallen asleep and have woken up and it's suddenly Christmas Eve. Um, that although it could be in Australia they have Christmas in the middle of the summer, so it could be just in the of Australia. But usually at Christmas Eve and indeed during that period and we have the church suitably decorated. We have a nice Christmas tree. I'm always quite keen to have a good-sized Christmas tree. And we have candles, and it's all very nice. And that's good, and that's important. And it's dark outside, so it makes it all very thin. And actually, at Christmas Eve, we often have many visitors coming from the community into church to think about that. And this would be often one of the readings that would be taken for that season. So Luke chapter 2, and I'm going to read a few verses from verse 8 to verse 15. Luke chapter 2 and reading from verse 8 to verse 15. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified, or as the older versions used to put it, sore afraid. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, or Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those in whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It may be the word of the Lord. But is it actually is it not nonsense? Listen again. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And that might be all right. On Christmas Eve or thereabouts. maybe all right at a nativity play when we see our children come out and and maybe one of the weird ones, the babies or the wee toddlers are, are baby Jesus for the day and we've got the angels and everything else. That might be all right for that kind of season where you know you want to kind of be nice and kind of upbeat but joy for all the people? Is that not really a bit of a con? Because let's be honest, you can look back over the last 2,000 years and yes, there have been happy times in the history of the world, but there's also been terrible times. Just think of the upheaval yesterday in Russia and all the uncertainty that goes with that. And the people in Ukraine in the midst of a war or the bills that some of us are facing and the increase in the mortgage rate probably to 6% and what that's going to mean every month and, and how you're going to be able to cover all the costs and outgoings. Joy for all the people in the midst of the life that many people suffer in our world, the history of the world where the church and Christianity sometimes, sadly, has been associated with persecution, with division, whether that be the crusades in ancient history or apartheid in South Africa. Joy? Mm. At best, it's sentimental tosh. At worst, it's dangerous nonsense. Don't worry, the minister's not lost the plot since he went on holiday. <laughs> but I think, in truth, if you were to ask the people living in Uddington, ordinary folks, quite a lot of them, they wouldn't like to say it, especially not to the minister, but in truth, that's what they think and believe. It's all right for the kids. All right, perhaps, for Christmas Eve. But in reality, sentimental tosh, or even dangerous nonsense. So why, as people of faith, as we come to church this morning, why, why do we even listen to this story, especially to the context, we would understand it, of Christmas? What is this joy that the angels are speaking about? The whole story, of course, let's be honest, is a wee bit kind of otherworldly. You know, here's the shepherds up in their hills, not washing their socks, but watching their flocks. And suddenly heavenly hosts appear and the glory of the Lord shines around them and they are so afraid. Frankly, they'd be tempted to wet their pants. God in all his majesty and might, the God of all the universe, sending his angels down to us. Not very joyful more terrifying, more likely to cause you to run away than to be drawn near. And yet the message that the angel brought and the angels sang about that first Christmas That message that speaks of a joy coming into our world that is fundamentally otherworldly because it's not based, you see, on how good or how right or how nice or what was going on in the life of the shepherds or how good or how nice or what's going on in the lives of us gathered here this morning. It's not dependent on the history of the world or the circumstances of our times. It's dependent upon someone, something, beyond all of that, bigger than all of that. It's dependent on God, the Creator, making himself known, keeping promises that he had given long ago through the prophets, of the Old Testament, through the story from the Garden of Eden and of how there would be one born of a woman who would come, who would crush that serpent, that sign even today of darkness and death and disease and trial and trouble, that would crush that serpent's head. Born of woman, but also born of of god today in the town of david a savior has been born to you he is the christ the lord and this will be a sign to you you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger everybody well nearly everybody likes a baby I can see you all Googling over it. (laughs) There's something within us that's stirred. And yes, sometimes it can stir and can cause sadness because we've maybe not been blessed with a family of our own, and understand that fully. But there's something within us that's stirred when we see a little one. And there's something this morning that should be stirred as we think of that mighty God, the one who spoke and brought everything into being. I'm not just talking about this little planet circling our little sun. I'm talking about the vastness. Go out into the darkness. Lie out as I did many. I wouldn't be able to do it now to get stuck in the road. But lie down in the road. Make sure there's no traffic coming. And just look up into the dark sky and see the vastness of all that is. This mighty God taking frail flesh and entering in so that we could hold him in our arms. The God who in Jesus Christ invites us to be held by His everlasting arms. That is the source of real joy, real optimism, real expectation, a real sense, as the dictionary defines it, of gladness, of rapture, of a reason to exalt, that joy is found in Jesus, born of Mary, born of God. And so we're going to sing a carol, but a contemporary carol. And Graham's grown up and he's continuing to grow, being well nurtured. And there would be something far wrong, of course, if that didn't happen. And, and as parents, and Elizabeth and I are blessed to have a little granddaughter, it's a tremendous blessing. But perhaps it is as you are older, and those of us who are older will appreciate that. be obviously when you're young and you've got children yourself, you're busy running about getting all that done. But as you get older and look back, there are times you think, I remember my mum used to use a phrase, I'm glad I'm going out of the world, not coming into it. Did anybody else that ever think that sometimes? Because yes. you just think of what kind of world will our children, our grandchildren grow up into? What kind of world? What will it be like? Jesus grew up, of course, it wasn't just a baby. And in growing up, of course, the world that he encountered was a world not of over. Always welcome or overwhelming welcome. Yes, there were the people who loved him and followed him and all the rest of it, but even they didn't get the right angle on things many a times. But there was also growing opposition. And I think probably all of us, even if we're not fully aware of the whole story of Jesus, will know that his journey, and his life, ended on a cross, denied, betrayed, alone, suffering. Here are some words that Jesus shared with his disciples on those final hours or days before all of that took place. From John chapter 15 and verse 9, Jesus saying to his disciples, but also to us, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Again, one can hear these verses and know at least something of what happened to Jesus. We can feel quite stirred. Here is a decent man, misunderstood, wanting the right thing for people, talking about love. And yet, look what happened to him look what happens to countless people down through the ages who have stood for that which is right and just and true what joy is there ultimately in doing anything like that is there not just going to be sadness and loneliness misunderstanding and perhaps yes betrayal and death And yet Jesus is saying that knowing fine well all that was going to happen. The Gospels are very clear that Jesus made it clear to the disciples that he knew where he was going. I don't mean in terms of just geography, in terms of Jerusalem, but he knew where he was going and what was going to happen. I must go to Jerusalem. And indeed, John's gospel tells us that when he set his heart to do that towards that final journey, Thomas bless him. I always quite have a soft spot for Thomas. At least he's honest. He says, well, let's go with him so that we can at least die with him as well. You know, but let's be honest, that, wasn't, you know, that journey wasn't like going on your holidays. Let's pack up and let's go. It was more like returning home from your holidays knowing that pfft, there's going to be disaster. So let's just go anyway because we're well, we his mates. And yet here in that upper room, where the spirit of joy would be somewhat lacking. And the disciples were grappling with trying to understand what was going on. And we know, of course, that they didn't fully understand and everything else. And there was a spirit of sadness and gloominess. And were told later on that the doors are locked for fear of the Jew. You know the picture, you see the story. And you hear Jesus saying that I'm telling you these things and I'm wanting you to engage with me and to keep my commands, to know my love, and I'm telling you all of this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. What kind of joy is Jesus talking about here? It's not feeling happy. It's not everything working out the way that we think it should. It's not, you know, some kind of romanticized, you know, Dream sunset. Perhaps we get an idea of what Jesus is talking about when we read some verses later on. Same context, same situation. And he says, Now is your time of grief. And you can imagine the disciples saying, Aye, Amen, brother. But listen to what he says in verse 22 of chapter 16 I will see you again and you will rejoice. And no one will take away your joy. You see, my friends, the joy that we're speaking about this morning, as I said in the earlier wee section, is not dependent on the circumstances or situations of life or times or history. It's dependent upon God and upon the God who's entered in, and the God who's entered in, not just entered in as a baby, but entered in as a man, and entered into the reality, including death, including suffering, including betrayal, including the breakdown of relationships, including dreams that don't become realities. For the disciples had all sorts of dreams of what might happen, and the reality wasn't what they dreamt about. It was the nightmare. But Jesus enters into all of that with the promise that you will see me again, and you will rejoice And no one will take away your joy. My eyes have seen the glory. Of what? The risen, conquering Son. And I know even within the life of our own congregation, there are people this morning, particularly who might find in a few minutes of baptism quite hard, not because we're not joyful for Robert and Fiona or anything else, but maybe because we can't have family or we've lost family. And that pain is there. Maybe there for the rest of our earthly journey. And we have in Jesus Christ a God who enters in to that place of pain. How do we know that? We look at the cross. We look at the journey of Jerusalem. We look at all that happened during that holy week. We have a God who has entered in. But a God who also in Jesus Christ has won victory through. These words. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that you know that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began, it is otherworldly the joy that the Bible speaks about. A joy that transcends our circumstances and transforms our lives. For it focuses our lives on God and in his mercy and his grace and what he has said and what he has done and fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And it's a life not just for our season, for our three score year and 10 or four score, if we're blessed. It's an eternal dimension that stands the test of the passing of the years and the troubles of our times. For its hope is in the God who in Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Is that where nothing apart from the grace of Jesus?